go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to We'd Rather Be Reading. I'm Jerrica. And I'm Leah. And now when we've rehearsed the names of the main characters of this book, we're now ready to start talking about it. <laughs> there is so many names going on in my brain because every time we decide to read a book, whether or not we've read it and it's the fourth in the series <laughs> or the first in the series, I have recently continued to read them aside from Marina Kilt. I have yeah. not read any other in that Me series either. yet, but uh, all of the books we have been reading, I have continued. So now I need to get all of the names in line in order because there are a lot of similar names. I think authors yeah. follow a pattern of like, what's the most current popular baby name? And like, then let's put that modern name as my character's name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, what's popular? What would I name my child? What mm. can I name my, my character in my book? I guess you see them as your kids, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure, they're your babies when you're an author, for sure. Yeah. But then all of your babies are all named the same in that year. And then readers are getting confused of whose baby is this Garrett? Whose baby is that Piper? Whose baby is yeah, this? they're always called Piper. What is up with the name Piper? Anyways, <laughs> we read this week uh, Love Song for Skeptics yes. by Christina Pashiris. Uh, and she is... Christina Pashiris is born in London to Greek Cypriot parents. And... She studied English at the University of Sussex. I studied English at the University of Sussex. Ooh, I immediately feel connected to her. Wow. Fancy. We, we apologize if you guys can hear the ongoing construction or whatever. That is happening somewhere where we cannot even we see, it. see it. But if you hear it, we apologize. Um, Unless it's imaginary and in our brains. Is there construction going on in my brain? It is possible. Who knows? Um... She is a journalist reporting on the TV industry and Love Song for Skeptic is her first book and it was nominated for Romantic Comedy of the Year at the Romantic Novels Award. This is cool. Yeah. And I actually really kind of like this book. Uh, it's very British. It's very English in a way. And yeah. The narrator is very English. Uh, I think she did a good job with narrating. I, I like listening to her voice. And this book did something in the narration that I've never heard before, which was make phone conversations sound different. I, that was else. bizarre, right? Yeah. I thought I kept uh, tapping my AirPod thinking that I had it loose out of my <laughs> yeah. ear. <laughs> yeah, no. uh, yeah, so I did that, which, you know, made... It, it, it was good because then you knew when they were on the phone. <laughs> but you had to like really have a quiet household because uh, the, yeah. the phone calls were muffled and quiet yes. as if you were listening to s- someone uh, sitting like in a box. In a box. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, and this book is the main character is Zoe Frixos and she is a Greek um, English girl in her 30s. I think she's 34. 34. Hmm. And she is the editor for this um, Resound magazine, which is this... um, I mean, I used to read a lot of music magazines and stuff when I thought I was cool back in the days. And this would be one of those... Now you've accepted your uncoolness. Um, And and, um, this would be one of those pretentious magazines Mm -hmm. that would only... Like, would never highlight anything that's popular. They would go for, like... Indie stuff. Indie, but also classic. Like, the whole thing is about getting 
um, this interview with um, with this very well known. I see her as kind of like a um, what's the face the head main girl of Blondie, you know, like okay, like a very very iconic kind of singer from that was super popular in what sixties seventies and then has mm. done very little kind of music wise since, but it's still very 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 popular. Mm. Um, she was coming up in like eighty five though. Yeah, okay. So but but I mean it's okay. someone who's like Madonna esque almost yeah, but, but okay. not Madonna, more of a really On cool like rock, rock side. Yeah. Uh, not pop. Um and it I mean I guess it's I'm assuming it's a made up. I've never heard of, of this singer. No, she's I, made I up for sure. I can't think of her name right now, but uh Marcy. Did, Marcy, that's the one. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Do I have a brain today? I How have none. That? Wow. You're you going to have to carry the conversation so oh, you can hear. Hardly. Room. I'm going to nap yes. during this part. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Zoe, when she was younger, lived right next door to Simon. And Simon's a best, best, best friend ever. He's American. His family moved to London. They grew up right next door. He had a troublesome family life. So he spent a lot of time hanging out with Zoe's family. And when they were teenagers they made up this um pretend rock star um uh, who's uh zach zach what is it zach something it's their initials okay and um they made him up and they live vicariously through him and they, and they write letters and postcards to each other as, as this like made up um rock star and they always sign off with like keep doing the fandango and um it's i mean it's 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 kind of cutesy and funny and then it goes away for a while when they lose touch and then it comes up back up on facebook as like a little fan club with only them as members and it's i mean it's cutesy it's it's cute and and through these postcards they can uh, kind of share real emotions without having to kind of say it out loud and Zoe, throughout all of these years, have had a massive crush on Simon. Like, she's, like, crushing hard on him to the point where she's never really had any sound, solid relationships, only casual like waiting uh, for dating things. Because she's been, yeah, she's been kind of hanging on and waiting for him to, to notice her. Mm. And then, um, in this book, she, the magazine is struggling, and they had to do this... Um, a review of this big... I see them as kind of like a One Direction-esque boy band. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to review one of their albums and the review is not good. And it kind of starts off with the main singer of this boy band being horrendously angry with uh, with Zoe and like calling her names and whatnot. And then his publicist steps in and his publicist is Nick. Mm-hmm. And she immediately takes a disliking to Nick. He's uh, annoying. He gets on a case. He he doesn't just let her get away with stuff. And then, lo and behold, it turns out that Nick is also the new publicist for Marcy. And Marcy is like the golden ticket. It's the thing that's going to save the the magazine. If they can get an exclusive interview with Marcy, then the magazine will be saved because they have declining readership numbers and... uh, it peaked a little bit there when the review of the new uh, boy band album mm. came out, but because the review was not good, uh, 
They don't really want to. They don't really want to interview. They don't want to be a magazine that interviews boy band. Like this right. is not what they want to do. Mm-hmm. So they really want Marcy, and Nick is now the thing, the obstacle in her way, and he's the what she needs to get through to get to Marcy. And this is kind of the plot of the whole book. Is it's a love triangle. Her trying to get to Marcy, and Nick helping her, and then blocking her, and then helping her, and. And, and then it's Simon very back in the background Simon. making mistakes. And... I mean, Simon. I hated Simon from the get-go, honestly. Yeah. Um, Simon's been married and he's recently divorced. He immediately, as he comes uh, to London, he's like showing interest in Zoe. But then as soon as he shows interest back, he kind of like, let's take it slow. Let's not do this. And then... There's this woman they went to school with, Jess, who's a singer as well, but she has all of these issues. And he was interested in her. They were like friends, all three of them, but it was mostly Simon and Jess. And any chance he gets, he will go for Jess. Yeah. And Zoe's like, oh, they're just friends. It's fine. But it's not fine. No, and then they're not friends. And then it turns out that that he's actually dating her or giving it a chance. And then uh, she's heavily into drinking and drugs. She has all of the stage fright. She struggles a lot. Jess. And Jess is also a key piece in this because she was on tour with Marcy and halfway through the tour something happened and Marcy dropped her and basically got her blacklisted. Yeah. And then throughout the book we find out it's because Jess slept with Marcy's love of her life. Yeah. Boyfriend's husband, whatever he was. They were broken up at the time, but doesn't matter. Yeah. But she slept with him and... uh, and, and he gave her a necklace. He gave Jess a necklace that Marcy gave him. Yeah. And uh, then he died. Yeah. And Marcy has forever been holding a grudge against Jess. Yes. Uh, because she still has this necklace. And, like, in yeah. Marcy's eyes, like, she has just blocked herself off from, like, society and life and love because of Benedict dying. But, I mean, we find this out later, but... Originally, the story is that she needs this necklace back because she hasn't written any new songs since she lost the necklace. Necklace. And that's like 10 years ago at this point. So um, she wants the necklace back. So she wants to repair her relationship with Jess. She wants Jess to forgive her. And Jess is like, fuck that shit. She ruined my career. You have no idea how like how burnt I was. Like I was twenty four then, and now mm-hmm. I'm thirty four. Like I'm never gonna have that chance again with my music career. Like she burnt me so bad. And yes, I can make music now. I can probably get a little bit of buzz, but I will not be like what, what I was. What I could have been. Uh, so she's like, no way, it's not happening. And because Marcy really wants Jess to forgive her, Nick kind of promises Zoe that she will get uh, an exclusive interview with Marcy if she just gets, gets her back together. Yes. Yeah. So this puts Zoe in a bit of a difficult situation because then she has to kind of uh, hang out with Simon and Jess and uh, she has to try to... She's not really friends with Jess. Like, they know each other, but they're not really friends. Mm, kind of they call each other... But. Yeah, but only when she wants something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they're not... I mean, they went to school together. I guess they're, like, friendly acquaintances sure. kind of thing. They used to belong to the same friend group. Um, and then she finds out after a little while that that Simon's been 
actually dating Jess and that he just lied to her when he said to take it slow and that he was like well we mutually agreed we wouldn't take this further which is not at all what he said mm. and she also realizes more and more that this is just not cool and then she has uh, Nick who she's been kind of hanging out with a bit on and off like she kind of calls him and he calls her and then they have a kiss yeah and then he like professes his love for her yeah. like kind of a little bit out of the blue randomly and, and then later simon does the same because he has an overdose day. yeah he has an overdose and ends up in the hospital and jess is like calling so we go like oh yeah simon had to go to the hospital i don't do hospitals can you go and i'm like holy fuck like this is terrible um so she ends up going to the hospital and simon's like it was you all along i've been so wrong about yeah. this and zoe's like these were words I wanted to hear, but mm. after seeing how he just trade her for Jess, and then it she just... was all she was never her first choice. No, and he just never wanted to be alone. She just figures like he was like safety blanket more than anything else. I like think that's why choice. I don't love the friends to lovers trope yeah. because for me, if there's like that love that's there, that's romantic love and not just friendly love, yeah. you don't continuously go and try to find other romantic love if you have it right in front of you and sure there could be like obstacles in the way like you're dating somebody else like in normal people right like mm -hmm. it, the timing was just never right but you're always there for the love not just for the friendship yeah but this when they're like friends from grade seven or whatever it is yeah. There was a million chances they could have been together, and he never chose her. No, and, and then, I mean, I hate it too, like, honestly, because if it's friends to lovers, it's... I can see it, of course, when it's like... Um, if you've you known each other since you're, like, really, really young, and it's more of a young adult novel when you start getting your start seeing the opposite sex or whatever and when you start having those romantic inklings with someone and then you go like oh sh hey yeah friend yeah yeah then they like <laughs> grow up uh... and you're like they have boobs and you're like oh my god she has boobs now now <laughs> I, uh, I, I see what's going on but that's that. so much younger they're in their 30s yeah. now like simon has had a million chances well, for to be, sure I mean, to be with zoe married someone else and yeah. he even married someone else and yeah no and no. zoe's been available forever so they're... yeah and she would have jumped at any chance yeah like oh yeah, like jumped, jumped. So the friends and lovers trope to me sometimes feels a little bit like settling, and I don't like that. Yeah, no, I can I can see that. So in this as well, there's uh, Zoe's brother is getting married. There's a side story there where she uh, learns to get to gets to know her new sister in law as well, and they actually mm -hmm. develop a friendship. Yeah, but this I like was her. a really nice story, yeah. like a nice part of this book, um, and. Uh, and then in the end, she ends up with Nick. And she finds out also that Nick is Marcy's his secret son. Which was yes. kind of out of the That was actually... Too, I did right? not pick that up. No. Secret neither. son. Secret son, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like no one even knows she has a kid kind of thing. Because she was pregnant, she hid her pregnancy, she had the baby, and she gave the baby to the dad, who was an Italian count. Okay. Duke, whatever. Cool. And he grew up in Italy. That's why he speaks like seven different languages, which is another thing. Like, Nick is just too perfect. He was like perfect. Though. You know what? I did not mm. think Nick was that perfect because he was also standoffish. No communication. Zero. No. no. 
zero communication. This is why I didn't like it. But this, for what I like, what I wrote about this book was, I like the story, and like I followed it all the way through. There was never parts where I was like, "Oh, I have to listen to this again," kind of thing. No. But I have like, and this is totally personal. I have a thing where like British narrators either put me to sleep because they're Mary Poppins to me. You know, they're like this sweet nanny babysitter ladies mm -hmm. to me. Like I'm stuck in my like early teenage years, like 12, 13, 14, where I kind of still had a, a babysitter and I had younger siblings too, of course. And there were a lot of British babysitters come to think of it. So maybe it's just my personal experience that like British female voices are soothing to me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that makes me go to sleep, but not sleep, but like out of the story because I'm like being lulled yeah. <laughs> into like this calmness. But um, the fact that the narrator's tone was the same for both dialogue and narration threw me so many times I had to pause it and like rewind it to be like, was that something they said or something that she's thinking? Mm -hmm. Also, I don't know if you felt this too, but it the book was written in first person, but it felt like it was written in third person because there was like, there was no real differentiation of characters when she was speaking. Yeah. Like, she had everybody's voice the same. Yeah. So, you just felt like you were being told the story the whole time because also, like, her influx wasn't different when it was dialogue either. So, it was a very odd narrated book. It was uh, what uh, one of my old co-workers who, who told me that she cannot listen to a lot of books because they make the voices and she's not a fucking child, is what she okay. said. Uh, so I guess this is a narration for adults. Okay. <laughs> I like the voices. Yeah. I, I mean, love I like it the, when I narrators mean, act. Yes and no. I mean, I didn't, I honestly didn't even reflect on it. So no. clearly I, it's not a big deal for me, but... Mm. I like when they do the voices when they do them well. I hate when they do the voices like um, we're going to talk a lot about this in a couple of episodes but <clears throat> we're going to talk about another book that we read. But bad accents uh, yeah. that kind of stuff like then I'm like please just don't just do not just use your normal fucking voice. Or yeah. when every woman over the age of 50 sounds like an old creaky door. This, mm. I'm like, mm. come on, she's not 103, you know? Oh, true. Like, if she's just like 50 years old yeah. and her voice is like, and then we went to the store. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think there's uh, some people that do it better than others, uh, <laughs> like with everything else. I mean, yeah, yeah, sure. It is voice acting in a yeah. way like these they audiobook de narration. They definitely and need I would to be prefer that they don't do the voices them. if they're not good at it kind of thing like okay. then I don't mind it I wonder how thorough the author is in the process of narration do they listen to them say a couple chapters with a couple different voices and are like okay you're the right person to narrate this book or like one of the books that we read um previously um, I can't really remember what the author's name is, but it was a college book. Mm -hmm. 
And the author didn't pick the narrators um, for the audiobook. Scribe did. Scribe yeah. did the audiobook yeah. for her. And it was great. But she had no actual say in it. So sometimes when we listen to this, there was another book too that you said to me, there's different narrators in Scribe than it is yeah. in Storytell. So the author is not really... I think it de- seems like so much a part of the... I think it depends on what kind of contract you have. Yeah, that's true. In the, For sure. In the publishing. Because I think if you want to have creative control over the audiobooks, then this needs to be in the contract. Mm-hmm. And I also know... Uh, I follow this um, this woman, Rebecca Wolf. Um, she used to have a blog back in the days. And I followed her because her kids are around the same age as mine. And then oh, cool. I've been following her ever since my babies were little. And then she let, she she had a book. She published a book called uh, Rock a Baby or something like that. And that I really liked back in the day. And now she's done a, she just released another book. And she did her own audio book narration. She okay. narrated her own book. Okay. But I think... This must have been important to her because she would have obviously pushed this through and made sure that she was the one to narrate her own book. Yeah. Um, and we've seen it with some other authors have narrated their own books. But I think this is kind of like just because you're good at writing a book doesn't mean that you're good at picking voices for your book or reading it yourself. Like oh, sure. it means nothing. So you're a writer, I not think, an actor. I think it's the same as when uh, when uh, uh, authors try to cast their own movies. Yeah, like you're like, okay, I understand this is the person you see when you write these characters, but, but this the, would not be good. Like the, the these people have no wrote. character, like they have no chemistry know. with each other. It, no, like you need so much more than than Shadow just... and Bone. I still can't, ha- I still can't deal with Zoya and Shadow and Bone. And knowing how much of a bigger role she has mm-hmm. throughout the rest of these books, like I can't. No, how am I going to watch that? That's yeah. not Zoya. No. So it's, I mean, just because you're good at one thing doesn't mean, and, and there's, there's like, a, there's actual real gift and skills to some of these things, mm. uh, like picking the right person and seeing potential and seeing, um, like I started watching the conversation with friends, like the Sally Rooney book, the yeah. one that I really liked, it, it's now a TV show, um, okay, yeah, and the main girl, Frances, that they cast she's done nothing before this so to be able to pluck like someone who has done no previous movies tv show anything and to put her as like the main character of this quite high profile you know Mm. then you need to be good to be able to see okay what you can do what this person can bring and what you can get out of this how they look on 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 the how was it screen she good I think she's really good. I mean, I haven't watched a lot of it for giving her a chance, even though she hasn't had any previous experiences. I think sometimes they often cast based on their previous experience and their popularity and their social media and all this other bullshit that doesn't have really to do with the characters. Exactly. And then I also find that sometimes it's a little bit like when we read too many books narrated by the same people. Yeah. It dilutes the characters in a way because if they are every popular main character then you don't really see them as any of them yeah for reals yeah and i blend in what they look like also yeah but then it's like oh it's this actor as this or it's this actress as this character it's not oh this is francis you know Mm -hmm. but i really like that book so if you want to have a good sally rooney book to read conversations with friends awesome 
I like her a lot. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right, what's up next? What's up next? I don't know. Which one are we doing next? Are we doing terrible or kind of good? <laughs> we do kind of good. We do kind of good. Okay, then the next book is... The Kiss Quotient. Yes. By... <laughs> yes. I want to say her name is Emily. But her last name is uh, Huang. <clears throat> I think it's Emily Huang, but let me double check that because I just finished reading all three in that series and I look forward to talking about the first one. It was my favorite. Mm-hmm. Helen Huang. Hello. Super close. Very close. Uh, but I also realized we forgot to talk about this cover. Oh, yeah. Love Song for Skeptics. We keep forgetting to talk about covers. Love Song for Skeptics, a novel by Christina Pashiris. The covers, there's two of them. They're both turquoise. They both have the the same exact drawings of people. They just put them in different places on these two covers. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen both of them. Yeah. Um, And it's called Love Song for Skeptics. We can also finalize this topic with that because... Zoe listens to a lot of music and then her brother has like this playlist and she's like oh I love this playlist what is this mm. and he's like oh it's love song for skeptics she's like who made this did you make this there's no way you made this and he's like no you made this I just named it mm. because it's all songs about broken hearts never finding the one like all very like good songs about love not working out yeah and but love worked out at the end of this book, anyways. Yeah, of and she chose romance. <laughs> she chose the right guy of the two. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. guys and that I she had. I think she to. will still remain friends with Simon, which I probably would have dumped him. But that's just me. No, I would have too. There was yeah. nothing good there, except no. for history. But but that's all we have to say on this. Uh, would you recommend it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, me too. Good job. Yay. Another good debut mo- novel. I'm I'm so impressed by people who write good novels off the bat. <laughs> yeah, debut novels also. Yeah. But you know, sometimes they write a gajillion books yeah. and then get a publisher and the publisher chooses the best one to go out with. So Maybe. Maybe? Maybe. All right, let's move on to the next. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. We'd Rather Be Reading is an original podcast by Jerrica Siron and Leah Sanfer. The music for The Penguins, written and performed by David Allred from the album The Transition, courtesy of Erased Tapes. Please check him out on Spotify and check us out on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram at We'd Rather Be Reading and on Twitter at We'd Rather Read. You can also email us at We'd Rather Be Reading the Pod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.